0: Y'all were clapping for for CG's (laughs) announcements. (laughs) Y'all don't ever clap for me, and it was just her announcement. Hey, thanks. Uh, Hey, everybody, good to see you. I have a question for you. In today's day and age, good and evil, can you tell them apart? Today's day and age, good and evil, can you tell them apart? Now, I know there's some experts in the room that you're going, absolutely, I can tell you what's good and evil. What's interesting is the experts that I've seen, they're very quick to point out somebody's evil, but the way that they handle that evil is just as evil as the evil they're pointing out. Some of you get that going home, going today. Uh, I, I notice in today's day and age, it's, it's really difficult to do good and it stay good. It's like even good things turn into idols. Like one day God blesses you with gold, and the next day you're doing something stupid with it, like building a golden calf. Um, <laughs> There, there's just, and then evil. Evil, they started making movies recently where the evil guy is the, actually the good guy now. And, and we're buying into it. Heather watch, watches um, Breaking Bad and, and um, just threw my wife under the bus. And, and you know, we, we were watching Breaking Bad back when we were sinners years ago. And, <laughs> and, and I turned to her and I said, listen, okay, pause it, pause it, pause it, pause it. Do you realize we're rooting for the bad guy? We're rooting for the bad guy. And these are just things I want to throw out there because as a pastor, I get asked all the time, how do you know what's good and is it good? And How do you know what's evil and is it evil? And there's so much gray area. And in Iron Man, guys, guys on the count of three, give me a grunt. All the guys in the room, give me a grunt. One, two, three. They'll look at you guys, yes. Every Thursday morning at 6.30 here at the church, we have donuts and coffee and we open up a chapter of the Bible. And we are in Genesis right now. And this Thursday, we're going to go to Genesis chapter three. And we're probably going to be there for several weeks. It's one of the most fascinating portions of Scripture. Genesis is amazing. But I get a question about chapter two quite a bit. Let's read this together. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. God made man and put him in the garden to just keep the garden, tend it. This is your job, Adam. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. As a pastor, I get some really good questions on scriptures like this. One question that I get is why wouldn't God want us to know good and evil? Why wouldn't God want to give us a greater knowledge of good and evil? And isn't that the very same thing that Satan told Eve to deceive her, to get her to eat the fruit? Another question that I get is, why would God even put the tree in the garden for the first place? Which is a really good question. There's all kinds of questions that go, but the one that I wanted to come to you and and, and, and ask is this: what's wrong? What's wrong with knowing what is good? I mean, I mean some of you really pride yourself in knowing what is good. I, I mean, everybody's got that aunt or that grandma who would turn to you and said, I have a great barometer on good things. I, I I can read people like nobody else and you know they're so full of junk. They don't even have a clue what they, like they're just so braggadocious and they don't have a clue what's good. And, and, and so what's wrong with knowing good? Why would God hold that back from Adam? And another question that comes up is what, what's wrong with knowing evil? Because if we know what's evil, we can stay away from it. And let me tell you the, the answer that I think every one of us needs to know why God said, do not eat from the tree of good and evil. I don't know if the answer, I think it may shock you. And the reason why is because God did not want man to know good or evil. God wanted man to know him. I'm just going to let that marinate a little bit. God did not have any desire for you to ever know good. And God did not have a desire for you to ever know evil either. And the answer shows us that just at the point to where we have to walk around in life and only choose good and to, and to, and to shun evil and to be good at choosing good and then have to wrestle with when good turns bad and not what do you do with gray areas, The answer, the biblical pastoral answer I want you to get is God never, ever intended for you to know good or evil. He only wanted you to know him. And beyond good and evil, we see that there is another level. And that level is called holiness. God is holy. God is a holy God. God. And holiness transcends good and evil. It doesn't justify the two. It shows us that holiness shows us what God can only show us, which leads us to only his holiness, which transcends good or evil. There's no need to know good. There's no need to know evil when you know the holiness of God. And now you being in his presence... You're, you're guided by the holiness of God. This is so important for us to understand, by the way. As a pastor, I want you to know there's a temptation that I'm supposed to always preach good things and that I'm supposed to tell people to shun evil. But as a pastor, I can tell you the win-loss record is really messed up in church when people are trying to figure out good and they're trying to shun evil. We will fail every time. But when I see people pursuing God with all of their heart, when I see people going into their secret place, when I see people alone with God, and God is transforming their heart, they don't have to go study what's good, and they don't have to know what's evil. The byproducts of them being with God transform. Forms any decision they make into choosing what God chooses for their life. So you know what we do as people? We make laws. We make rules because we think that's going to solve it. Making more laws and making more do this, do this, do this, go here, be here, do this. We think that's holiness. And so today, here's how the message is going to go. I'm going to show you a little bit, kind of prime the pump a little bit. I want to build the tension a little bit. And then at the end of the message, I'm going to give you three points. And they are going to point you in the direction to choose what God wants for your life. So if you're in this room and you're just beginning your journey with Christ, if you're in this room and you have no journey with Christ, if you're in this room and you're a seasoned veteran in in following Jesus, I want to give you something we all need to know. And this is it in a nutshell. We don't need more rules. We need people. We need to be holy. Not because we're perfect. Holy because we've been in his presence. Let me show you something real quick. Paul begins to write and says this when it comes to laws. But now we have been delivered from the law. So if you all think that more rules for your kids are going to work. And more horror stories about your bad decisions are going to work. And you're thinking, if they just knew what I've been through and I tell them all the things that happened to me, that will cause them to make better decisions. And your kids will tell you, no, no, you're not going to scare me to righteousness. So laws don't work. And Paul even says this. He goes, hey, we've been delivered from the law. Because we're in Christ, we've been delivered to the law. And let me give you the bigger picture here. Not only does it say this, but it starts off by saying, therefore, my brethren. So he's talking to us. You also have become dead to the law. Dead to the law. Through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that you should bear fruit to God. Look at this. That you may bear fruit so that naturally righteousness just comes out of you. What should you choose, good or evil? Don't worry about it. When you've been with God, your taste buds change. Your, your, Your thought life changes. The things that used to just entice you and tempt you before, they're not there anymore. Not because we made up more rules. Heck, it killed me trying to keep all the rules. Because I've been married to Christ. Because I've been bonded with Christ. Because I've been in the presence of Christ. And just the natural fruit has come off of me. Paul says this as he continues. For we were, when we were in the flesh, the sinful pleasures which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. And he's saying this. He says, the more someone kept telling me I shouldn't lie, the more I kept thinking if it's a little lie, is it okay? And he said, don't lie. But I'm like, okay, but how much of a lie can I get away with? Okay, do not steal. Yeah, but if my, if my family's hungry, should I steal? And, and Paul's saying the more I tried to keep the law, the more I began to twist and turn and dissect and figure out just how much I could get away with and that's the dangerous thing if we're going to be people in the world always asking what's good and what's evil we'll make them both evil there's no way that's in us that will ever be good it all turns out bad and he says this is me trying to find life in the law it only led to death he says this but Now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. The victory that we're going to have in being where we're supposed to be, to do what we're supposed to do, to be the light from the light, is from being with the light. Jesus Christ. The secret isn't you trying to go be a good person. And the secret is you not showing up to church and hearing more rules. The reality is that every one of us has to have a moment to stop and pause and be alone with our Savior. To allow the Holy Spirit to do the new thing in us. Paul continues, and he says this. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. He's saying, hey, hey, listen, the law God gave us is fine. It's on the contrary. I would not have known sin except through the law. Interesting. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. You know what covetousness is? It's wanting what you can't have. It's wanting what your friend has, but you don't. You're jealous. you covet something that you should have. And Paul says, the law showed me that was a sin, and I didn't even know it was one. So Paul's saying, yeah, it's like a like a buffer zone and in, in that you have these cement pillars, which are the the, the law, and, and if you run into them or if you go over them, they're always pointing you to where you should be over here. And he says, yeah. The law isn't sin. No, no. On the contrary, it assists you in times of need. But sin, he says this, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. He's saying this, the more that I got to know the law, the more I've tried to figure out how to twist the law. So, the tension I'm trying to build is, well, what the heck do we do now? What do we do? Jesus gives us the answer. And I've narrowed it down to Matthew chapter 6.6. 6. And listen, I'm about to tell you, if you're going to remember today, this is our key point. This is our key scripture. If you're taking pictures, if you want to take a picture of this, you may want to write this down. Because this is going to direct you from now on. If you're hungry to know, not good and evil, but you're ready to know God's holiness. If you're ready for that holiness to transform how you think, transform how you live, to transform you, this is your scripture for today. Jesus says, hey, when you pray, go into your room And when you have shut all your doors, pray to the Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Hey, do you want to know what God wants for your life? Close the doors and pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And the God who is meeting with you in secret will reward you openly. Hey, you've got to find a time in your day to where the doors are closed and everything is off and you get alone with God. There's no way around it. A rule's not going to fix you. As awesome as church is, a sermon's not going to change you. The only thing that is going to go deep and transform the old you to the new you is Is going to the secret place and being alone with your Father, alone with your Father, alone with your Father, alone with your Father. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you privately and reward you publicly. This is where all the things you're looking for can be found. And it's not out there where the question is is it good or is it evil? It's beyond that. It's found in the holy place where the holy God transforms our hearts to his heart. Now Paul writes about this. And Paul says some cool stuff. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, hey, you cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons, okay? And, and this is heavy wording. But what he's saying is, hey, over here, You're going to have to figure out what's good and evil, good and evil, and you're going to be confused, frustrated, and torn to pieces. But there's a cup of the Lord that only he gives and only he offers. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and the cup of the demons. You cannot partake in the Lord's table and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? And he goes on and he says, all things are lawful for me, but all, not all things are helpful. This is back to the what should I do? Is it the right thing to do? Is it the wrong thing to do? He says, listen, you can do whatever you want. Cause, cause, but haven't you figured out that not everything ends up the way you thought it was going to end up? All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Eat. Eat whatever is sold in the market, asking no questions for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness it is. And he's saying, listen, you're going to go out there and it will drive you nuts figuring out what's right and wrong, what's good and evil. But you, but you, oh, this is Jesus, reminding us, but you, when you go, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You openly. And what Jesus is getting at and what Paul's pointing towards, there are things that no rule can fix. There are things that advice can never help. There are sermons that are awesome, but you'll never get them. So you've got to go to your secret place. Yes. Yes, I do mean first thing in the morning. And you may say, Ty, I'm not a morning person. I, I'm telling you, there has to be a moment that before anything else, we align our life with God's will. Before anything else, we surrender everything to him. Before anything, Anything takes place before one phone call, before one text, before one channel is turned on, on the day's news, we have to humble ourselves before our God and say, God, it's not about me. I need you. So I'm going to give you three things. Three things that I think are so crucial and so important, and I hope this changes tomorrow morning for you. And I hope it changes Tuesday morning. And I hope it changes Wednesday and Thursday. And I hope this becomes a standard in your life of how you're going to live. Because life isn't about good and evil. Life is about the holy place. And what does God want in the original plan? Number one, we go to our secret place Not for good and evil, but for God. My secret place is in the morning, and it happens to be in my truck. Me and my truck got a good thing going, y'all. It's in my truck that I have this incredible library of worship music. And it's not unusual for me early in the morning to just jump in. My truck doesn't care what my breath smells like. I, 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 I get alone and I just begin to open my life up to his plan and his will and his desire for my life. The Lord's prayer has become a major weapon every morning. It searches my heart and it gives a confession of my complete dependence upon my Lord. It's in the secret place that I don't go and I pray for people. I spent those years where I would just pray, God, I just pray that you change her heart. And God, I just pray that you change his heart and do something in him. And God humble him. And in all of my years, I never changed somebody's life with that kind of prayer. Let me tell you why. Because my prayer time with God isn't about them. It's about me and him. And as I begin to see that I'm not here to tell God what to do, I'm here to show to allow God to show me what only he can do. And over the years, my prayers have changed. Instead of changing people, I begin to ch- see that God wanted to change me. And the only person who changed in all the years of praying was me. And that was the key. Guys, your secret place, you need to understand this. Unless you learn to open your life up to God, about everything, about everything, you will be working on the wrong level all throughout the day. And you will go to work, and it's another good and evil moment. And you will go to school, and it will be another good and evil moment. And you will go to the grocery store at Walmart, and y'all know ain't nothing good about going to Walmart. We have got to open our life up because it will change our day when we do. So I'm talking to all the teenagers in the room. I don't know how you got here. Maybe you drove, you got a ride. Maybe you rode with mom and dad or came with grandma. I'm gonna talk to all the teenagers for a brief moment. I'm talking to you about this too. This isn't something you figure out how to do as you get older. This is something you experience, Right now, when you're young, and it's this incredible moment to realize that you carry with you this whole weight of good and evil who's good, who's evil, what's going on, what do I do, how does it turn out, what do I choose. And I'm turning to you and telling you, your parents can't fix your problems. And when we come home, when you come home and you want to walk into the house, and mom says, How was today? And you want to start in on, well, you can't believe what Susie did today. And you can't believe what Miss, Miss Jones did today. And you can't believe what so-and-so did today. And we're telling them this to get a reaction so that they will step in and defend us. And I turn to you and tell you, you're destroying your family if you keep living like that. Because mom wants to help, but she can't. And she feels like a failure as a mom. And dad, dad wants to help, but he feels like a failure as a dad. And when you come in and you tell everybody what so-and-so did, and now we're looking, that's the good thing to do. I should communicate with my family. That's good. But ever notice that when you tell dad certain things, dad gets angry and makes things worse. He's responding like a dad, which is good, but even good turns evil when dad picks up the phone and gets his dad on the phone. And now there's this argument and all of a sudden cuss bombs begin to drop and and dad just got out of church and it's just Monday now and dad lost his salvation because of you. (laughs) And see how everybody's responding good because I'm defending my kids. I'm protecting my kids. You don't talk to my kids like that. And you started this. And now dad's going to meet him at the the church parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) And Ty Bean's gonna be up in the, eating popcorn, <laughs> watching everything, no. No, and, and see how something even good turns evil now because we're living in the good and evil level and God never intended for us to know good and evil. He only wanted us to know his holiness. Yeah. So teenagers, let me get your attention real quick. You can't go to mom and dad for everything because God doesn't want you to go to mom and dad for everything. There has to be a moment that you surrender your life to him, and in your secret place, you go before the Lord, and you don't pray that fleas show up in that girl's life. You pray that God would show you the things that only he can show you. It's your secret place. You know what God talks to us about in the secret place? God talks to us about the things that maybe we forgot about. There was a little girl that came to me one time, said that she was just, there was this other girl at school who hated her and they were mean to each other and they just, all constantly just going back and forth. And this little girl had so much evidence of how bad the other girl was. But the Holy Spirit had been dealing with her. Go to your secret place. Quit going to your mom and dad and making this thing bigger than it should be And she said, so I went to my secret place, and I just prayed. I said, God, I want to serve you. I want to follow you. I feel like I'm being a distraction. I feel like I'm hurting people that I don't mean to hurt. I feel like I'm causing anger. And and God, will you search my heart? And instantly, she said, it was like God took her back to a moment, and it was the first day of school. And this other little girl had wore these weird-looking pants. They were cute and funky and weird at the same time. And she had forgot that she was just trying to be funny. And she was just trying to just just kind of poke at her a little bit. Just a friendly little poke. She was just being nice and funny. And she made fun of her pants. And she had forgot about it. And when the girl lashed back out, she had completely forgot that she had made fun. She started this, and she took what the other girl had to say, and now it turned into this big deal. She said, I was sitting there, and I realized I had completely forgot about it, and I thought it was funny, and she didn't think it was funny. She said, instantly I knew the Holy Spirit was saying You need to go back and apologize to her. These things don't come from your mama. And these things don't come from your daddy. But if you want to live in the good and evil of this world, you will suffer if we don't learn how to humble ourselves and go to the secret place to allow our God to reveal the things that only He can reveal to us. And parents, it's not just your kids. God wants to talk to us, too. Number two, simplicity is the secret to seeing things clearly. It's not adding more rules. It's not blocking people from your life. It's, it's going and being alone with Christ. In fact, 2 Corinthians says this, But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity That is in Christ. What is the simplicity? Is that you don't need to go out and try to figure out how to live a righteous life. The only thing you have to do is the simplicity of I got up this morning and I was in the presence of the Lord. I let his worship penetrate my hard heart. I allowed him permission to come and speak into me. At first I gave him five minutes. The next day I gave him six minutes. The next day I gave him seven. But it became a ritual that instead of me trying to figure out the laws, me trying to figure out the word of God, me trying to figure out the sermons and sit through one more message, I finally realized the simplicity of being in Christ removed me from the temptations that come with trying to figure out the good and evil. Paul writes on and says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts himself against the knowledge of God. The knowledge of good and evil? No, the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ. The Old Testament has something to say about it. Leviticus says, For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore therefore be holy, as I am holy. And if you're in this room and you grew up in a church to where they preached on holiness constantly, and you're kind of just like having flashbacks, growing up in the church where they were talking about holiness. Can I turn to you and tell you that probably one of the best teachings you can hear on holiness is from Pastor Mondo. Every time he speaks, he, he kind of just expands a little bit more on what the Holy Spirit's been teaching him on, about holiness. And go back and listen to Mondo's teaching. But one of the things that he's very, one of the sayings that he's, he really leans into is, is holiness is not what you do. But, but it's the fruit, it's the evidence of the Christ in you. Holiness isn't something that you do. Holy Spirit is not being a better person. Holy Spirit isn't working harder. Holy Spirit isn't, isn't memorizing more. Holy Spirit isn't, isn't blocking everybody out. Holy Spirit isn't what you do. It's the fruit of, it's the evidence of, we can all tell you've been with Jesus. We need less Christians that declare they're holy. And we need more Christians that you can just tell they've been with Jesus. So, is this going to be an overnight fix? No. No. It's going to take a starting place. And I realize I'm talking to people from all different walks of life, all different seasons in their walk with Jesus. But I want to encourage you. Start somewhere. James says this. Let patience. Guys, be patient. Let patience have its perfect work, so that you will be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. Those are heavy words. Perfect complete and lacking nothing. But it's not from you working it. It's from you just being where God wants you to be. You will be surprised how your taste buds changed. You will be surprised how your mind shifts. The things that once drove you nuts are the things that you think to yourself now, gosh, it's just almost like a, like a dog barking at a freight train. I'm so beyond the things that used to bother me before. There's been a complete heart change in me. And I'm now able to hear the Holy Spirit explain to me the things that only he can explain to me. And I walk into a situation where it might be tense and it might be awkward, but Holy Spirit begins to show me there's bigger things, there's bigger hurts that have happened to these people that have caused them to be the way they are. And patience and kindness never fails. If you're interested in an amazing devotional, I can't recommend enough a devotional by Oswald Chambers called My Utmost for His Highest. It's an old devotional, but it's been rewritten so many times, and it's so good in today's day and age. And Oswald Chambers has an amazing quote in it. And I hope this quote inspires you. And then the worship team is going to come up and the song that they're going to sing i think is so perfect for where this message went today here's what oswald chambers has to say god will not allow god will allow nothing to escape every detail of our lives is under scrutiny now stop he's talking about when we go into the secret place god will not allow Anything to not be worth talking about. Every detail of our lives becomes under scrutiny. And then he gives this example. He says, uh, laziness. It's in your secret place that God will talk to you about it. Carelessness. To where you just don't care anymore those are the things that the holy spirit will begin to talk to you about impulsive nature these are the things that holy spirit will begin to talk to you about independent nature i'm just good by myself i got this it's all about me god will begin to talk to you about that and also self interest though you're important can I let you in on a secret? You're not that important. But you say, time I'm a big deal. I've heard that from you. <laughs> and I had to get over it too. And the more that I did, I realized that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And when I let him in, he showed me how to love people. He said this, whatever it may be, God will point it out with persistence. And he will keep bringing us back and keep bringing us back to that same thing until we finally surrender. And God will continue to point it out with persistence until we become entirely his. And that's my prayer for you today that you wouldn't try to figure out the good and evil in this world, but you would go to the Holy of Holies in your prayer closet, and you would shut the door, and it would be you and God, and you would step into the righteousness and holiness that can only come from Him that will change you. Once again, Jesus' words, but you, but you, when you pray, Go into your room. When you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Father God, today I pray again for this crew. I pray even right now they would begin to plan tomorrow morning. And that you would meet with them in their secret place as they pull over on the side of the road, as they pause in the parking lot, as they go into a quiet house living room when no one's moving just yet. As they sit outside the locker room, before they go in, they just allow your presence to penetrate their heart and their mind before they start practice. And I pray, Father, the things that you do in private will be seen publicly. Not good or evil, but the evidence that we've been with the holy of holy God. Father God, as the band just plays this song, I pray in the next few minutes this song would just begin to minister to people's lives right where they're at. In all the situations they're going through. That this song become the lyrics to what we've talked about in the last few minutes. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.